Good morning. I'm Jim Swan with co-host Monica Braz, the Director of Marketing and Strategic Initiatives with BBB Serving Western Ontario. May has been declared Moving Month in Canada by the Better Business Bureau in collaboration with the Canadian Association of Movers. And through this month, Nancy Irvine, the president of the Canadian Association of Movers, is joining us to help provide information about the moving industry so that we're able to make better choices and avoid the chaos and trauma created by scammers and fraudsters. Good morning again, Nancy. Good morning again, Jim and Monica. Well, what happens when your move goes wrong and legal action is needed to settle things? Well, Rocco Scocco is a Toronto lawyer involved in a number of cases where legal action was required for the homeowner to get their household contents back. Thanks for joining us today, Rocco. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Jim, for having me this morning. So let's talk a little bit about the situation your clients are encountering that prompt them to have to seek legal action. So oftentimes individuals who approach me with an issue, they've usually um, hired a mover at a very, very competitive, too good to be true rate to move halfway across the country. And once they've hired the mover, um, they're always very courteous and professional and up to the day when they come and actually pick up all of their household stuff. And once their truck is loaded, everything changes. And typically they will sign some type of contract that um, oftentimes is confusing to read. And within a day or two, they will receive an invoice that represents sometimes double sometimes triple, sometimes up to 10 times the quote that they were given. And they are at a loss and they're usually angry, sad, feeling of all different range of emotions because their entire life has been packed up and put in the hands of people who they thought they could trust. But it turns out there was a, some, there was a fast one pulled on them. So at that stage, they tend to call the police. Um, and if the police don't are able to help them, the only recourse they have is to either pay the ransom or hire a lawyer to handle it. And what I do for individuals who approach me is we go to court and we seek an order for the return of personal property. Uh, haven't lost one yet. Uh, I've had so far 100% success rate in getting people's stuff back. Um, and, and then from there, we continue the action to seek compensation because oftentimes uh, these individuals will spend money to buy a replacement bed uh, or an air mattress or clothes for their children their young ones and there are lots of expenses that are incurred not to mention uh, psychological trauma that they endure as a result of this breach of trust um, and not, not to mention just being left in an empty home an empty building, which was supposed to be your new home, but it has nothing in it uh, except maybe whatever the clothes on your back and the few bags that you packed. It seems like a pattern that people might be able to recognize beforehand. There, there is definitely a pattern. Um, there, there are several red flags that you could identify down the line. But even before that point, I've noticed that the companies that end up having people come and and call me, they tend to be highly rated on Google ads. 
So they tend to be the easiest to find in terms of moving companies. Um, and then going down the line, once you've give, been given a quote, there's usually a lot of text and verbiage written in the emails that can be confusing. It might seem contradictory, but to someone who doesn't understand the moving industry, um, this might seem like, okay, this is probably the normal, right? Because maybe people move once in their life, maybe twice. Uh, so they don't have the industry experience to recognize that there's something fishy going on up front. Uh, what you'll often see is a discussion of flat rates and weighted rates in their moves. And this is usually written in a way that's somewhat difficult to, to understand. You'll be given a price in the email, but then there's a lot of fine print underneath it. And you'll have pages of fine print that... Uh, some people read, some people don't, but at the end of the day, none of it is considered, uh, in the company's opinion, to be binding. It's really just a way to induce you into agreeing to work with them. The, the next red flag will be on the date of pickup. If the movers show up and they're not prepared to give you a certificate for the tear weight, tear weight is a technical term for just the weight of an empty vehicle. Uh, it's what's used as a guideline to determine how much weight you're actually carrying because you can weigh the truck after it's been fully loaded and then you get the gross weight. And the difference is the weight of your shipment. Now, so when the movers attend, there is they usually don't have a certificate at all. They will not tag your goods when, when, and they're required to tag your goods under the Highway Traffic Act regulations for carriage of goods so they, they won't take an inventory either they won't tag your goods they will simply load everything up once everything is fully loaded you'll be asked to sign some sort of contract and typically this contract does not have all the information legally required there will be no names of for example the movers or the carriers and what i've seen is that these contracts don't even contain a final price. You'd have to stand there and do some math, which is difficult to do when you're being hurried to hurry up and sign. That's another common red flag I've noticed. And it's technically illegal to, to offer someone a contract, especially when it represents a different deal than what you were quoted. It's, it's, that's considered holding a person's property while uh, in order to pressure them to renegotiate because they've got your truck filled with all your stuff. You feel this pressure that you have to sign because they've already loaded up the truck and you just want to cooperate so you don't upset them. And, and that's what tends to happen. And the final red flag is really the giveaway is when you receive the invoice and it's quadruple the price that you thought you were going to have to pay. So Rocco, you know, one of the things that you said that was a red flag was Google reviews and um, how they seemed fairly positive. It, one of the things that you do with your clients after the fact, do you, um, do you recommend that they go back and actually put an honest review under that business so that we can really flag the fact that this is um, a business that people shouldn't, do, shouldn't move with? It's not something that I advise on from a legal standpoint. But I think that it is entirely appropriate as long as you're making accurate statements about what your experience was. There's no legal bar to making public comments about what you've 
uh, dealt with. And there are rules in Canada to prevent defamation lawsuits because maybe that's something that someone would be afraid of is that if they were to smear a company like this, and by saying smear, I use that more uh, as colored language um, because people are usually reporting exactly what happened. Um, there, there's, there's, there's a legal bar against suing people for talking about matters of public concern. So uh, while this isn't you know, free legal advice for anybody, but uh, if, if you do have a complaint, there are laws to protect people when they want to complain about something publicly. Regarding the Google reviews, if you go and look at their pages, they're often, you know, they're rated five, four, four or five stars sometimes. And you notice that they might have hundreds of reviews. I, I recommend that, you know, if you're shopping for a moving company, scroll through the reviews a bit. Don't look at the first, the top few, because they might be five stars and they'll say all kinds of things that are outstanding. And humorously, um, sometimes the review will say, uh, they charged me exactly what they said they would which is a review that I couldn't imagine any regular person actually writing because I don't consider that a perk. I consider that as just typical business, right? But if you scroll down, then you'll see very detailed stories because when people do, um, you know, make a statement publicly, they tend to be very detailed in what their experience was. And, and those are the genuine reviews that I recommend that people look out for, especially if you see that there's hundreds of reviews and that they have a four-star rating. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's another reason why visiting the BBB.org website is so helpful because all of the reviews on BBB.org for any business, including moving companies, are actually verified reviews. So we know that it's not somebody who's just going on there and maybe trying to skew the ratings by just adding in false reviews. Yes, and, and that is something else that I would highly recommend everyone do is definitely visit the BBB website for any business that you're dealing with especially with moving companies. You're listening to Ask BBB, and we're talking to Toronto lawyer Rocco G. Skoko and to Nancy Irvine, who is the president of the Canadian Association of Movers. And our conversation on avoiding scams when you're moving continues after the break. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with co-host Monica Braz, the director of marketing and strategic initiatives with BBB Serving Western Ontario. May has been declared Moving Month in Canada by the Better Business Bureau in collaboration with the Canadian Association of Movers. And our guests this morning are Toronto lawyer Rocco Skolko and Nancy Irvine, who is the president of the Canadian Association of Movers. So, Nancy, what are some of the things that the Canadian Association of Movers recommends to help people avoid getting into the situation that requires legal action like uh, Rocco has described? 100% know your mover know who you're dealing with. Uh, do they have a street address? Are you going to be able to find them afterwards if something goes wrong? So many calls we get from people that as soon as something's happened, they don't answer their phone anymore. They don't know where to find them. They've, you know, got a PO box as an address. So CAM members must have street locations uh, so that consumers can drive up and knock on the door. Uh, the other thing I would say is uh, just don't go with a phone estimate. Make sure you get it in writing. The mover should want to verify what you have. And if you ask them, listen, will you come by my house or will you at least do a video survey with me and they refuse, uh, they're not really much of a moving company uh, They, because I would think that they would just be interested in uh, getting you booked and then starting the scam. 
that's that's my flag for that one. And the other thing is to know your liability options. Moving, and I'll put this in quotations, insurance, uh, because we're not in the insurance business, but moving liability is the most complicated and confusing thing ever. And you really need to understand what the liability is so that you're not disappointed at the end uh, when the moving company isn't going to uh, resolve some of the uh, complaints around damages. Uh, Rocco, perhaps you could just comment on on the extent of this sort of scam and how complicated it becomes as you move from one province to another and how long it takes for people to get their stuff back. So the process of bringing this to court, it, it, it involves the intersection of consumer protection laws and transportation laws, which there are provincial jurisdictions and each province has their own separate uh, laws for carriage of goods transporting goods, and there are also federal regulations. In addition, there, the, the consumer protection laws are primarily for the consumer, for their household goods, and they protect you from companies that do exactly this, and they are underused in the court system. There are only two moving cases that have reported decisions, um, and they, those don't even involve moving scams like what we're talking about. They involve misunderstandings and even in those cases people who brought consumer complaints were successful now in terms of timelines for getting return of goods i'd say about five weeks it could be sooner five weeks is the maximum that's the longest it's ever taken for me and i don't want to tell people that it's going to be any faster to get their hopes up and make them think that it could be quick because the courts can be unpredictable and Given the COVID-19 pandemic, this, we have to expect the unexpected. So I, I, don't, I don't offer um, an optimistic view. I offer the worst possible case. So five weeks is the most realistic. Uh, sometimes it can be as short as three weeks, depending on if we're able to get it into court quickly enough. Well, Rocco, we want to thank you for your time here this morning, and uh, Nancy uh, as well. And Nancy will be back with uh, more next week as well. We've been talking with Toronto lawyer Rocco G. Skoko and Nancy Irvine, who is the president of the Canadian Association of Movers. After the break, dealing with those things we don't want to move. Welcome back to the final portion of Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with co-host Monica Braz, who is the Director of Marketing and Strategic Initiatives with BBB. Throughout this month, we are featuring information about movers and moving. We've learned a lot about moving scams and avoiding them, but our next guest will help us deal with those things we don't want to move. Andrew DeBoer is a franchise partner of 1-800-GOT-JUNK in London. Thanks for taking time to join us today, Andrew. It's always my pleasure to uh, come and talk to our friends at the BBB. So, as we mentioned, May is moving month. How connected is moving with junk removal? Uh, very connected. Uh, junk removal is one of the key driving uh, life events in, uh, in, our, in our customers is uh, everything involved with moving. We like to say move your home, not your junk. So clearly when you move, it's a perfect time to to purge take a evaluation of all the stuff you have clean out those closets you know clothes and stuff you haven't worn in 10 years probably not going to wear them again those boxes in the basement that have still been there since you moved in that home 10 years ago maybe that's time to find it a new home as well 
What happens to all the stuff that you that you pick up? Where does it go? So our first choice is always to try and find things a new home. So we worked with a bunch of charities and secondhand shops in the city uh, to try and offload stuff there, find stuff a second home. Um, failing that, a lot of the stuff that we pick up goes to local recycling or salvage yards. Uh, so scrap metal, electronics, uh, paper, cardboard, all that stuff gets recycled. And then whatever can't be recycled ends up in the landfill. Uh, overall, we recycle about... Uh, 60 to 80 percent of everything that we pick up. Wow, that's great. So what are other advantages then of hiring a junk removal company as opposed to just leaving our stuff at the curb? Well, there's a limit to what the city will take for sure. Um, Also, too, with the advantage of a junk removal company is you're getting somebody else to do the work for you, right? So our slogan is all you have to do is point our crews do the rest. So we'll take it out, take it out of the basement, put it on the truck, make sure the stuff finds the proper home or recycling yard. And then uh, that's one less stress you need to worry about in a very stressful overall situation of moving your home. Are there things that you can't take, Andrew? Yeah, uh, we can't take any hazardous items. So like paint, chemicals, propane tanks, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we're not licensed to, to carry that stuff. But we do provide for our clients is any resident of the London area can take stuff to the um, the household special waste depot located at the city landfill. So just off uh, Wellington Road, south of the 401, turn on to Manning Drive and it's open there. I would check their COVID hours, of course, during this time. Uh, I believe there's also a website, makethedrop.ca. Uh, if you go on that website, put in your postal code, put down what you have it'll let you know what the closest facility is for that. For example, like uh, I know propane tanks, most places that sell propane tanks will also accept old used propane tanks and usually at no cost. So obviously it sounds like there's a lot of um, crew and teamwork that's required to, to dispose of all of this content and to make sure that there's a good service that's provided. So what do you look for when you're hiring for new team members? So the, the biggest thing that we look for when we're hiring is we hire happy people, right? So I can find uh, people who want to carry heavy things out of basement, but I need to find people who are willing and able to carry those heavy things out of basements, but also do it with a smile on their face that we provide a great customer service experience for them, right? So I need those employees who want to work hard, don't mind getting dirty, but can also provide that high, high level of customer service uh, that that uh, we strive to give every, every client. So we have a, a great crew. Um, when we're looking for a company to do uh, junk removal, besides checking with the BBB, to learn about the company? Are there things that we might want to ask a company regarding licensing, insurance, and so on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's part of BBB accreditation, uh, but you want a company that has uh, you know, basic liability insurance so that something catastrophically goes wrong in your home that it's covered and the homeowner wouldn't be uh, liable for that. You want to make sure the teams, uh, any employees going into your home are covered by uh, WSIB, Workplace Safety Insurance Board. And that just means that if any injury happens in a client's home, that the employees are covered, the homeowner isn't liable. We're also registered with the Ministry of the Environment as as waste haulers. So there's a couple of accreditations uh, that companies should have. And if we decide we want to uh, give you a call, how long would it be before you'd be able to, to provide service for us, Andrew? Uh, my record is seven minutes. 
because uh, we <laughs> we happen to be around the corner. Um, it's actually something that we measure, uh, and typically we can get to a client within hours, not days. So a good rule of thumb: if you call us in the morning, typically I, I can have a crew there in the afternoon, uh, six days a week, Monday to Saturday. Well, Andrew, thanks very much for taking time to chat with us this morning. And we know that there's probably a phone call waiting for you to uh, get to some place in seven minutes or so. It is a busy season indeed. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew DeBoer is the franchise partner of 1-800-GOT-JUNK in London. Look them up in the BBB directory under Junk Removal. And Monica, that's all of the time we have for Ask BBB this week. You can connect with us anytime on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBBWesternONT. And if you have a question or a guest suggestion, please tweet us at hashtag AskBBB. And thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Brass. Remember, Ask BBB. And start with trust. <laughs>